Welcome to this on-ramp podcast on how to buy a reliable used car you won't regret. My name's Blake Jennings. I'm the president and founder of OnRamp, and with me is... Rami Cerrone. I help find, buy, and sell the cars for OnRamp. And Rami and I actually met in a car-related hobby. We used to build and race Miatas and have a lot of fun with that. And now we find uh, cars that aren't quite as enjoyable, but are a lot more reliable. And that's what we're going to talk about today, how to buy a reliable used car. We're going to talk a little bit about what brands and types of vehicles tend to be the most reliable and what tend to be the least reliable. So we'll have kind of our favorites and least favorites. Now, let's start with a couple ground rules. The first thing is that we're talking about general trends today. What I mean by that is that you might have a Buick that has lasted for 300,000 miles, and we are so happy for you because most do not. Alternatively, you might have a Toyota Camry that died after 50,000 miles. That stinks because most of them last five times that. So there are always exceptions to every trend. That's the key here. But today we're just talking about general trends, which vehicles tend to last and which don't based on our experience. So OnRamp has dealt with well over 100 cars now. So in general, which have been the most reliable, which have been the least reliable. All right. And right now we're just rating cars based on value and reliability. We're not basing them on how fun they are to drive, how collectible they are, how comfortable they are. Cars for people who want something fast or people like us or doing their own repairs have a different list. That's a different discussion. It's a fun discussion, but it's not going to be this one. Yeah, we'll, we'll cue that up later. We talk about that all the time in our spare time. What car would be fun for a next project? But that's not what you want. You want a reliable car. So that's what we're going to talk about how to increase your chances of buying a reliable used car. So let's start with a few general things to avoid, if at all possible. So we're going to give you a bullet list of things to just avoid. These things hurt your reliability. A lot of these things you're going to need to run a Carfax report to find out. So just a, a tip, whenever you're looking at a car that's used to buy, go ahead and pay for a Carfax report that'll give you some of the history on the car. It'll tell you things such as... The first thing that we look at, a car that was flooded. Being in Texas with some weather that's happened in the past few years, there's a lot of cars out there with this that you won't be able to tell by looking at. Um, but a flooded car, there's going to be hidden electrical computer failures, things that got wet, and you have no idea when those will hit or when you'll be fighting rust or corrosion. Yeah, so we avoid any flooded car. We also avoid any car where the Carfax report says that the airbags deployed. So if you didn't know this, Carfax reports will tell you any accidents that were reported to insurance. Now, if the accident happened and they didn't report it to insurance, it may not appear. So the Carfax report isn't 100% reliable, but frequently it will report it, especially serious accidents. And most cars have had a fender bender at some point in their life. That's okay. But if the airbags deployed, that's a big deal. That means it was a serious accident that could compromise the the safety and the performance of that vehicle in the future. So we simply avoid any car that had airbags deploy. Another thing that's a big thing is vehicles that spent any time in the salt, Midwest, Northeast, because there is rust. And don't think just because it's at a dealer that you can avoid this. Actually, I went to see one at a high-end dealer this weekend in Dallas, and I drove it. Everything was great. I ran a Carfax right after the drive and saw that it was a Michigan car. So I went back outside, looked under the car, and it was terrible. It was just a few years old, and it had rust everywhere. So avoid any car that's been in the rust belts. Yep. Uh, we tend to avoid cars that are four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive unless you really need it. There's nothing inherently wrong with four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. It's just a lot of complexity and cost. So if you think about it, you're, 
you have to repair parts in the driveline of that vehicle, you're, you're repairing twice the number of parts because it's driving twice the number of wheels. So if you really need four-wheel drive or all-wheel all drive, you go off-road, you go up in the snow or something like that, then that's fine. But if you don't need it, please stick with two-wheel drive. It's going to cost you a lot less and be easier to maintain over the long run. Um, next, hybrids. Unless you really need like super high gas mileage, hybrids, this is like a Prius where you have both a little gas engine and you have a little electric motor. Those double the complexity of the car. You just think about it. It's both an electric car and a gasoline powered car. That's a lot more parts that can break, that can fail. It's a lot more complexity when parts have to be replaced. They're typically much more expensive. So the gas mileage is nice, but the cost of maintenance is a lot higher. So if you're buying new, then it's fine. But if you're buying a 10-year-old car, hybrids are going to cost you a lot more in the long run. Same thing with a fully electric car. This is a car that you just plug in and you never have to um, spend any time or money at the gas station. Sounds good on paper, but on this list with used cars, they're really too expensive to buy. And if the battery pack goes out, it is way too expensive to fix. Man, we, we had a Prius that we gave away not long ago, and it had an electrical part fail. Single electrical part was $3,500. Yeah, no a- possible discount. It just kills you. It was a 10-year-old car. So. Right. All the gas oh. mileage in the world isn't going it, yeah, to pay you're for it. Yeah, you're never going to make that, that loss up. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about some of the brands that we love. So, uh, again, this is not about performance cars. This is not about project cars. But for a reliable car, if somebody just said, I need to get to work and back for the least amount of money and stress possible, here's what we're going to tell them to buy. So, number one on the list, no surprise, Toyota. We Toyota. love Toyota products. All the way. So two, my two daily driver cars are both Toyotas. They both have well over 200,000 miles, mm-hmm. and I'll drive them anywhere and everywhere. They're cheap to drive. They're, they don't really break, and they yeah. just go. Um, our favorite Toyota models, basically almost any of them, but for the donated vehicles that we look at, Corollas, Matrix, and Camrys, mm-hmm. and there's a great reason for that. Um, we can buy one at 150,000 miles and not have to worry about the car. They can go two or 300,000 miles mm-hmm. easily with just basic maintenance. Um, there is always an exception to the rule. For example, from 2007 to 2011, the Camry suffered from faulty piston rings. So again, this is just based on research. When Before you start looking, look at the cars and the models you shouldn't buy, and those would be on the list. But in general, every time I drive a Corolla for on-ramp, I mean, it's a five, $6,000 car, and I tell myself, this is all the car that anybody needs. It's always impressive that for that little money, you can get something that runs that well. Yeah, with, with what Rami was saying on the 07 to 11 Camry, uh, every manufacturer, even the very best, like a Toyota, is going to make mistakes from time to time. So please do your research carefully online, and feel free to reach out to us. If you ever have a, a Camry or a Corolla or something like that, and you wonder, is this, is this one of the good ones? Chances are the answer will be yes. It was like 99% were great. It was just that 1%. That's true of everyone. So Toyota, Honda, all of them are going to have a bad 1%. We're happy to help you find those. Now, one question we get a lot is about Toyota's luxury brand, Lexus. Um, We tend to prefer Toyota to Lexus. And the reason has nothing to do with engineering or quality. The Lexus is a great vehicle, very comfortable the problem is, is Lexus is a much rarer vehicle than Toyota. So when a part breaks, some of the parts in that car will say Toyota on them because they're the same parent companies. If a part says Toyota, it's super cheap part, but some of the parts are going to say Lexus and they were made specifically for that car and they're going to cost double 
what an equivalent part in a Toyota is going to cost you. So a Lexus is great, but just realize in general, you're going to pay double for parts because it is a luxury car. So for our clients, we prefer Toyota. They're just a lot less expensive to keep on the road. Okay, so that's Toyota. Really hard to go wrong there, other than just a very few. Um, the second manufacturer that we love are Hondas, no surprise. Uh, particularly, we like the Civics, the Accords, the Odysseys, the CRVs, the Fits. Um, really, really great vehicles. Um, they're almost as reliable as Toyotas. In our experience, you can tend to get uh, about a quarter million miles out of them. Um, they're also, in my opinion, a little more enjoyable to drive than Toyota. Maybe not as quite as uh, pillowy soft on the road as a Toyota, but great cars. So yeah, so they fun to drive. We just had a yeah, Honda Fit, and it's fun. Before that. we donate the cars, yeah. we have to check them. I think Blake and I just loved driving the well, Fit had around. A manual, so we were very lucky on minor that detail. But yes, yeah, so we tested that one a little more than others. But um, there's some maintenance pitfalls to be um, aware of. So some or many Hondas have timing belts mm-hmm. instead of chains, and this is something before you start shopping, do your research because a timing belt you have to replace every 100,000 miles, mm-hmm. and it could cost up to $1,500 at any mechanic. So know that before you're going in and check when you're looking, make sure it was done recently, because mm-hmm. if not, you have to do it. If you don't, the engine goes along with it, and that's yeah. a huge repair. So negotiate based on the timing belt and when it's been changed. And then again, like the Camrys, some Honda Odysseys, their mm-hmm. minivans, which are great vans, had some major engine and transmission failures. So before shopping, do your research to see what years, which VIN numbers were affected, and test drive it. Um, Test drive it hard, have a mechanic check it out, and make sure that the transmission is shifting. Make sure you don't have a burning smell or burning Mm -hmm. oil. If it is, walk away. There are plenty of odysseys out there. Yeah, we will, on our website, post a more detailed list of specific vehicles and VIN numbers that you need to watch out for. On the Honda Odyssey, for example, it's particularly the 2011 model year. They made a mistake with some of the piston rings on that one. And then for the transmissions, it's like the mid-aughts that they had some some problematic transmissions. On those Hondas, particularly look for the V6s for the uh, timing belt. The 4s changed timing chains earlier on, but all the 6s were belts for a long time. All right, next uh, manufacturer that we love is Mazda. Uh, as I said earlier, Rami and I met through our mutual love of little Mazda Miatas because you, uh, you can ring them out all day and they just keep running. But Mazda in general has some great vehicles, especially like their Mazda 3, their uh, Mazda 5. That's their version of a minivan. It's such a great little minivan. Um, their Mazda 6s, particularly the front-wheel drive ones, the all-wheel drive are a little more complex. Front-wheel drive ones are great. And um, if you want something small, just buy a Miata. <laughs> so... It's so simple. Great vehicles. Some of their SUVs had some trouble, so just be aware of that. Um, But especially their cars, their smaller things, uh, really did great. They're relatively cheap, relatively simple. They're fun to drive. Uh, We had a great time with those cars. Absolutely. Um, But just know that they are not going to last as long as a Toyota or a Honda. So just as a rule of thumb, think that 100,000 miles on a Mazda 3 it's probably like 150,000 miles on a comparable Toyota or Honda, so pay accordingly. We just picked up a Mazda 3 with yeah. just a few over 100,000 miles, and we also just picked up a 155,000-mile um, Matrix. Yeah. And actually, I like the Matrix better. Even though it had 50,000 yeah. miles, it just drove better. So reliable. The Mazda is going to last a good long time. However, price is a thing. Yeah, that's actually a good example. I usually tell people for the same price, you're looking for 50,000 miles less on an equivalent Mazda product versus, you know, a a Toyota, for example. So 
great vehicle, just not not going to last it as long. Um, okay, next up, Chevy full-size trucks and SUVs. Now, um, uh, let's be clear. Uh, it is always best to buy the smallest, simplest vehicle you can. That's going to cost you less to buy, cost you less to fuel, cost you less to maintain. What I mean by that is that if you can make it through life with a Corolla, you're going to spend a heck of a lot less money on transportation than you are if you buy a Tahoe. There's just no way around that. You're, you're moving twice as much metal through the air and down the street. So stay small if you can. But there are some folks who do need a big vehicle. And particularly when we think of like the Chevy full-size trucks and SUVs, we're thinking of people who live on dirt roads because like the, the washboard effect you get on a dirt road can absolutely tear up a car or a minivan. Um, if you're going off-road or if you're towing a trailer or something like that, then we do tend to recommend what's called a body-on-frame vehicle. It's a big, heavy vehicle with a separate frame. So we're talking like a, a Tahoe, a Suburban, a, you know, the, the C1500 pickup truck or Silverado pickup truck, something big with a V8 in it. Um, we tend to recommend uh, model year 2009 or newer on those. They, they're kind of like tanks. They'll just keep going. You'll have to replace parts in them, but... Um, they're very strong. We say 2009 or newer because they did have some um, engine problems before that. They did. Um, and a good thing about these Suburbans and pickups, when it breaks, which it will, parts are cheap and you can find them in almost any neighborhood yeah. gas station. Any town you go to, you can pull up to whatever local mechanic they have there. They probably have the parts mm -hmm. on hand. You can find them at any auto store. So that's easy. So for a driver that you can get parts for, that's a great thing. Just like you said, the dirt roads and towing, nothing beats a big full-size yeah, vehicle for absolutely. that. If you need that, that's wonderful. And Ford also has um, big pickups and SUVs. Um, 2010 or newer is what we recommend for yeah. those. Yeah, the newer engine design on those can be really good. All right. Well, let's now transition to the subject that's going to be the most controversial. Let's talk about the least reliable cars and brands. Now, uh, any list like this is sure to create some um, strong opinions, potentially some enemies in the comments. Um, I want to be clear, there are always exceptions. So you might have one of the vehicles on this list that has made it to 300,000 miles, and, and we celebrate that. That's excellent. From our experience, that's not the norm. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the norm, what we tend to see on average. Again, we're not talking about enjoyment factor or coolness factor. We're just talking about overall reliability trends. So the first do not buy vehicle on on-ramps <laughs> list is Buick. Um, we have never had any experience with a Buick that went well. So we're just going to leave it there. They've, they've not gone great for us. <laughs> so why don't right. you take the next one? Um, so next one, Dodger Chrysler. Again, yeah. there are thousands or millions of them out there, but we generally just don't trust them. I mean, they have some cool ones. The Wrangler, oh, amazing, yeah. fun yeah. car. The Hellcat models are um. I want to drive that. That'd be I so just want fun. to drive it, yeah. but I don't want to own it. No. That's the no. thing. So this is, again, our personal opinions, what we've seen, but reliability is just not there. My in-laws all had Dodges, and every one of them had problems that just mm -hmm. left me shaking my head. They were too new to have yeah. these problems. Uh, we put them in We put them in Hondas and Toyotas since they've become my in-laws, yeah. and they've been driving they without problems so yeah we just yeah. we just don't buy Dodger Chryslers well and that that brings up the minivan question cuz you heard us mention Honda and Toyota minivans everybody thinks about like the Dodge Chrysler minivan which is arguably one of the most popular out there they they just don't last as long it's a it's a dramatically less life that you're going to get out of that versus the Toyota or Honda products right um based on that i had a friend who was looking for a car many years ago and they wanted a minivan 
I recommended a Honda or Toyota. I think they saved two or $3,000 and they bought a Dodge. Five years later, which is the length of a loan in America, that Dodge went to the junkyard. Yeah. And they had to go out and yeah. they had to buy a Better new car. Better to pay so a little more. It was something that's going to last. Huge. Next on our on our uh, sad list is Nissans, especially with CVT transmissions. This one's hard for me because I love like old Nissans. Um, they were so cool. Um, Nissan has lost its way a little bit, particularly its vehicles with CVT means continuously variable transmissions. They don't have gears in them. They have a, a basically a belt on cones. So you're going to see these in their sedans. You're going to see them in their SUVs like Murano's. Those CVT transmissions do not tend to last more than about 10 years or 100,000 miles. And when they go out, they have to be completely replaced. It cannot be repaired. They're very expensive. So we, uh, OnRamp has given away a couple Nissan Murano's and they have both gone bad for us on the transmission. So we simply avoid any Nissan with a CVT. We would prefer to have gears than, right. uh, than a built-on cone. So Nissan, be real careful there. They've, they've really struggled in the last 15 years. Right. Um, and then we're going back to small American cars and SUVs. So we talked about Chevy full-size trucks, pickups, Tahoe Suburbans. They work great for us. Ford F-150s, they're the best-selling vehicle in America or truck in America. And there's a reason. So they do great with big V8s and big full-size vehicles. However, when they try to build a small car or small SUV, it really doesn't work out well in our Mm -hmm. experience. One of the big cars, Chevy Cruze, very attractive (laughs) <laughs> Very attractive new car buy-in price. They look good, yeah. but they just don't last oh at my all. Gosh, no. Again, based on our experience, I had a friend who bought three of them for his company. Two of them got lemon. They bought brand new Chevy Cruises. Yeah. yeah, no reason for that. I think we've had pretty bad luck with Acadias and Equinox. Yeah. Don't we have an oh Equinox that we have to blow up or something? Well, we, we one, a mechanic is going to step in and replace the engine. But oh. yeah, we, it was so bad, but it looked so good. So we were afraid it would get on the used car market and scam somebody. But yeah, the engine was improperly built. Right. Which a lot of them have, we're not talking small things. We're talking major uh, major defects on manufacture for the Acadia's, Equinox's, Cruises. Yeah. Right. Um, Ford, again, with their Ford Focus and Fiestas. Fun cars, great yeah. cars to look at to drive, but they had a class action lawsuit on their automatic transmissions. Yep. And that's a major problem that's going to cost a lot of money to fix. Yep. They're great with the manuals, but the automatics, yeah, you got to avoid them. They will fail. Right. So we're back to Chevy and Ford. Do what they do best, which is the big trucks and SUVs. And that's what we recommend yeah. if you're going to buy avoid one of when those. They do small cars. That's probably always a good just lesson is every manufacturer has a specialty that they really do. Stick within that. Don't, don't go off of that. All right, let's, uh, last topic we're going to talk about is mileage. So the issue is, is everybody, when they open an ad, the first thing that they want to know is how many miles are on this car. And that's important to know. Um, but when you're thinking about mileage, we want to in- invite you to kind of think a little bit differently about it. The most important thing is not the total number of miles that that vehicle has covered. There's a few other ways to think about mileage. So um, I'll hit the first one, and then and Rami will get the, the second couple of these. So the first one is we want you to think about expected mileage, not just actual mileage. So actual mileage is whatever the odometer tells you. Expected mileage is what that vehicle should be able to do before it is worn out based on just kind of norms or averages. So an example, well-maintained Corolla, we expect those to last 250,000 miles. In contrast, a well-maintained Hyundai Elantra, 
which we didn't talk about Hyundai. They're right kind of in the middle. Can be good, can be bad. But um, Hyundai Elantra is only expected to hit about 150,000 miles before it's at the end of its life. Well, that means that if you're comparing these two cars, and let's say that each of them have 100,000 miles on them, you should pay a lot less for the Hyundai because statistically it only has 50,000 miles left, whereas a Toyota has 150,000 miles left. So what you're really doing, this is, the, this is the key I want you to think about. When you're buying a car, you are not buying the past mileage. You're buying its future mileage. That's what you want. You want the miles it's going to cover in the future. So how many miles are likely left in that vehicle? That is what you are paying for. Now, there's no way to know for sure. There's always going to be exceptions and accidents, things like that. But you just want to keep that general trend in mind. If I'm buying a 100,000-mile Toyota Corolla, I'm, I'm buying an expectation of 150,000 miles. If I'm buying a 100,000-mile Hyundai Elantra, I'm buying the expectation of 50,000 miles. Those should be priced accordingly. Exactly. And I think before the hate letters come through and we'll give you Blake's <laughs> phone number at the end of this, there's really no way to know for sure. I mean, yes, this is all absolutely. A, it's the it's best just guess based on statistical averages. It's yeah. historical. That's it. There's always exceptions. Again, you might have a Kia or Hyundai that ran two or 300,000 miles. They do. They're, they're, they're out there. They're out there. But in general, when we're buying used, this is what we're looking for. Past maintenance factors in. And just keep this idea in mind when you're comparing prices. So mm -hmm. if you're going out to buy a $5,000 Hyundai or a $5,000 Toyota, buy the Toyota. Yeah. Um, back to the mileage real quick, just a little segue. A very important thing to check Carfax before you go look at the car. Yes. We've had experiences of we rolled have. back yeah. mileage. So two of them lately, we saw a Honda CRV, mm -hmm. which was advertised with 120,000 miles. Before I looked at it, I got the Carfax and it had 270,000 on the yep. Carfax. Maybe an innocent seller that he didn't know. I don't know this. Yeah, we actually we had had a suburban that we had to sell for on ramp. Had two hundred and fifty thousand miles. Yeah. A month later, I saw it advertised same suburban with half the miles. So yeah. he swapped the cluster. So again, yeah, never never buy one of those vehicles that has an odometer rollback. There's pretty significant legal ramifications on that. It's yeah, I right. hate that that happens. Yeah. Right. So run the Carfax first. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then the type of miles. Again, when you're looking for a used car, theoretically, you should talk to the owner and kind of get a story mm -hmm. of what they're doing. So if it was a traveling salesman who drove 500 miles a day or a week or whatever, it's all highway driving. It's yeah. easier miles than somebody who just drove it mm -hmm. five miles to work every day because most of the wear occurs in the first few minutes after starting up the car. So mm -hmm. if they drive for five minutes, it's wearing out. If they drive for three hours a day, not as much of a big deal as yeah. far as miles go. Yeah. So um, thinking about the the way that kind of mileage adds up, the, the other thing that factors into what Rami was just talking about, whether it's highway miles or city miles, city miles are much harder than highway miles. You'll probably see that also in, in, in this overall thing we call condition. I often tell people condition matters more than mileage. What What I mean by that is that mileage is a number and that number is reflective of how far distance that that car has covered. But the bigger thing is the condition of the car today. When you get in it, how how is it? How does it strike you? Does it seem like the owner took care of it? Does it seem like everything's held together well, or is it rattling like a tin can? As it goes down the highway, is it pointed straight? Does it drive solidly? Does the engine start right up, or does it take a while to start? Condition is a huge issue and more important than mileage. Um, a classic story for you, we had a very nice Buick <laughs> show up that needed help. Uh, it only had 50,000 miles on it, but it was uh, check engine light was on. This lady had bought it down in Houston. 
Um, we got into it and found out uh, somebody uh, bought the car and never changed oil. 50,000 miles in a turbocharged Buick is done. And so the engine was ruined, completely ruined. And so that's a classic case of the mileage is not, mileage on the odometer is not the key. It's knowing the condition of the car. And a Contra example, I have a friend who has a uh, 300,000 plus mile Honda Accord that he drives every day, like 30 miles a day, never lets him down. Abs- but it's because he takes care of everything preemptively on that car. All the maintenance ahead of time, he babies it. That's exactly right. So when I'm looking at a car, I'm, also, I'm always looking at, like I pull the Carfax and I'm looking at how many times has this been into the shop for maintenance? Has, it been, has the oil been changed regularly? When I meet with the seller, does the seller take care of the car? Uh, if I come and we've had this happen often, we'll ask about, hey, was a timing belt changed in this car? And the seller says, I have no idea. How long have you owned it? 10 years? Well, you, so you have no idea of the maintenance that's been done in your whole, oh, okay, we're going to pass on that. I want a seller who knows what's going on with the car because they've taken good care of it. So again, I think what Rami and I are telling you is the mileage on the odometer is important, but it's not crucial. It's not as important as some other things. So keep an eye on how long it should last. Keep an eye on what type of miles, whether it's highway or city, and just the overall condition and maintenance history of the vehicle. We will buy a car with a lot more miles if it's been well-maintained and a lot of those miles were highway. Right. All Um, right. I think this goes back to asking questions before you even go look at a car with just the first few questions. I mean, we rule out half the cars that I look at, for example, because of the seller's response. I always ask for the VIN number yeah. so I can run a Carfax, so that'll tell me a lot. And I ask for maintenance history. Yeah. And the owner's answer usually tells me a lot. If it's, That's right. And you can usually tell with a description of the car car ad yeah. if they just say, you know, one word, car for sale. Yeah. <laughs> usually pass on that, yeah. but I'll give it a chance. But just like Blake said, if they've owned it for 10 years and they have no ideas or they have no records, mm-hmm. or if the Carfax doesn't show that it's ever been back to any do any services yeah. i mean yeah. we're just going to pass just and walk, walk away, away. yep it's a lot easier to walk away now than it is to go in and those cars aren't even worthy of a test drive that's right all right let uh let's wrap this up with just a few uh takeaways for you um if you go to our website onramptx.org and click resources you'll find a lot of great resources there to help you buy a reliable used car um there's a video on it that we recorded there's an article on it as well, we've just added our newest inspection checklist. It's basically a, it's four pages you print out and take with you when you're looking at a car. It'll walk you through everything that you need to check out. It'll uh, give you instructions on how to conduct a proper test drive, uh, how to walk around the car and find all the things that you need. So um, please print out that inspection checklist and follow it when you go through a car. Um, and then the final thing is we've talked about before, do your research ahead of time, grab a Carfax report, always worth it. And then when you're looking at the car, if you don't feel confident in your mechanical abilities and uh, if it's an older car, we highly encourage you to get the vehicle to a mechanic to do a pre-purchase inspection before you hand over the money. That's the safest way to make sure that you're going to be safe. And then our final word, which we tell everybody, please be patient. As long as you're holding your cash, you're in the driver's seat. As soon as you hand it over, you're not. And there's, it's almost impossible to get your money back. And so please be very, very patient and careful. It's always better to take Uber for a couple more days than to rush into a, gar- and into a bad car purchase. So thanks for joining us today as we talk about um, how to buy a reliable vehicle you won't regret. Hopefully we'll record more of these in the future to walk you through other things about owning, buying, and selling vehicles safely. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Rami. Thank you for having us.